Hi, and welcome to Women at Warp, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Join us as our crew of four women Star Trek fans boldly go on our bi-weekly mission to explore our favorite franchise. My name's Jara, and thanks for tuning in. Today with us, we have the whole rest of the crew, Andy. Hello. Sue. Hi there. And Grace. Hey, everybody. And before we get into our main topic, uh, we want to take a minute to talk about the uh, events that are happening in, well, 100% happening in the United States and Canada right now around racist police violence and the campaign that we're working on with other Star Trek platforms to support organizations that are working on issues of anti-racism and uh, civil rights and social justice. And yeah, so it's a really heavy time right now. And we have a lot, a lot of privilege. And so we want to make sure that we're using this platform to talk about this. And you're going to see on our social media that we've we've already been sharing um, more pieces um, on these issues. And we're going to keep doing it, even if it's not totally related to Star Trek, because this is really crucial that we stand up against this type of racist violence and uh, stand to support those in in the Black community that are experiencing this violence. I know that sometimes it's like, this isn't Star Trek. And maybe it's not always, but it's also the kind of stuff that you should be doing if we want to get to that Star Trek future. If we want to get to a place where it really doesn't matter what race you are. It really doesn't matter what gender you are. We're all living in a free and equal society that's not, you know, separated by class and gender and race. This is the kind of work that we need to be doing. And so I think it's important that people with platforms that reach people like ours take a stand and do that work. And if this whole topic, this whole conversation feels irrelevant to you, then we're saying it for you to hear it then, because this is very, very important and being quiet about it is not helping anyone. We want to say unequivocally that Black lives matter, Black trans lives matter, Black queer lives matter, Black disabled lives matter. And that is the stance of, of all of us. That is the stance of our show. And we believe that is the stance of Star Trek. Yeah. And um, side note for any Canadian listeners who might be hearing a lot of that, you know, kind of performative, look at us and how great we are compared to the States right now. Well, saying that we don't have these problems in Canada, saying we don't have racism in Canada is kind of like saying like people don't have heart attacks in Canada. Like it's clearly not true. We are built on the same foundation. We're a society that's largely white-dominated, and we have the same history of colonialism and racism and, and oppression of Black people, and that continues today in the police violence that we have been seeing against Black and Indigenous people at alarming rates. It's never okay, and we all have to stand up against it and not think that we're high and mighty here. The other thing is is that we'll continue to post links for places to donate. Our show donated to Black Lives Matter DC, which has a mutual aid fund that we donated to. But there are many ways that you can, as we like to say, do the work. And it's not just donating. If you don't have the money to donate, you can donate time. If you can't protest, you can, you know, help in other ways. You can educate yourself. You can do the reading. Talk to your friends. A lot of people spend a lot of time yelling at strangers on the internet, and 
that might feel cathartic at times, but it doesn't actually change minds. The people's minds that you can change are the people in your life that love you and you have a personal connection with. You are the one that can get through to them. So I encourage you to take the time to look up some resources on how to talk to people about racism and do the work in your own family and your own community because that's where you can be the most effective. Clean your house, as they say. Do what you can, address what you can, just don't be silent. Yeah, it's definitely where you have the energy to do so and where you think that it's likely to make a difference. It's one of the most important things that you can do, um, especially as a white person or someone who is less marginalized, who has not had to deal with these you know, types of micro and macro aggressions throughout their life. It's uh, an important piece of work that we can do. But yeah, we joined with a a bunch of other Trek sites and podcasts and uh, blogs recently, like uh, Trek Movie and uh, the other Roddenberry podcasts and Trek Core to come up with a campaign called Trekkies Together. So if you are donating to an organization that supports anti-racist justice, then you can share that using the hashtag Trekkies Together. And I would say even if if you're doing um, other forms of non-monetary support and you you want to talk about, you know, how that relates to how you see the vision of Star Trek and how we get there and you want to join with other people, then you can post about it using that hashtag. And we will, yeah, we'll be continuing to talk about this. So if folks have questions and want to engage in respectful dialogue, you know where to get in touch with us. You can email uh, crew at women at warp.com. And we will, I, I guess I would just say like now, I, now is not the time to take our foot off the gas. This is a really defining moment that has really, it's actually eclipsed the most serious economic crisis and public health crisis that our continent has faced um, recently. Um, because it is so important. And it's really, really important for us to keep the momentum up. Just keep that conversation going in any way you can. Keep it going. Keep talking about it. Okay. And on to our main topic today, we are going to talk about best Star Trek friendships. And this arose from a suggestion from Rachel on our Facebook about relationships we wish we had seen in Trek. And we felt that If we did all types of relationships, that could be a really, really big topic. So we decided to drill it down specifically to friendships. And yeah, so we're going to talk about some highly profiled Star Trek friendships, friendships between women and missed opportunities. And we got lots and lots of great comments from you on social media. So thank you for weighing in. Who's ready to get platonically affectionate? (laughs) At a safe distance. Yes. (laughs) So yeah, I don't know. I just thought I would start off by talking about like, what do we think makes a good friendship? Um, Because it's easy to say like, oh, well, you know, there's a great friendship between Bashir and O'Brien. But like, what actually makes these good friendships? Articulate the relationship. Break it down. See how it works. I like the same thing in my friendships that I like and the ships that I follow. And that is two people or even more than two people. But People who make each other better. Yes. Yes. People who are different and have different points of view, but somehow through some alchemy become a better unit together and they bring out the best in each other. Yeah, I would agree. I was thinking a lot about sort of like respectfully challenging each other. Like, um, I think that there is a point where, you know, it is useful in friendships for to have people whose types 
push the other one to an extent, but you you need to be also checking in to make sure that that's what the other person actually wants. And, you know, so if, like, it's your goal to, like, get out of the house more and you have the friend that's always like, hey, let's go out and do things, then that's okay if you're discussing it, but they also need to be taking back what you're saying to them about how you feel about the relationship. So I think where I'm going with this is, like, respect for boundaries and good communication. Yeah, those those are kind of the basis for any good friendship, aren't they? I'm always looking for, I guess more so for me personally than on TV, but I feel like support is super mm-hmm. important, but not unconditional support. I mean, I feel like a, a friend needs to be able to tell you when they think it's a bad idea and give you real thought about advice. Um, you need to be able to to have difficult conversations, conversations that uh, require trust. And I think you also need to be comfortable to a point where silences aren't, aren't awkward, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> if I can pull out a quote from Best in Show out of context, we can just talk or not talk about things for hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what you really need in a friendship is someone whose heart is true and who's a pal and a confidant. <laughs> and who's got your back. Yeah. I think in Star Trek, we have a lot of great examples of friends having each other's back. But you, like you said, not in all cases. Like you have to be able to be like, I don't know, man, that really breaks the prime directive. I'm not cool with this. Yeah. Or hey, you're endangering yourself by what you're doing here, and I'm not cool with this. I'm like, are you really sure you want to date a candle? (laughs) (laughs) Because let's be real, any friendship that's based around things only functioning when you both agree with each other and when things are good, it's not going to be much of a friendship. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, one thing that was pretty clear when you even look up like Star Trek friendships and some of the ones that really come to mind because they're profiled so highly in the series are like Jordy and Data, Harry and Tom, Kirk, Spock and McCoy, O'Brien and Bashir. And you'll notice that there's a lot of friendships between guys. And I was wondering, like, why do we think that these are the maybe the most some of the most prominent friendships in Star Trek? The number one reason is why I think also mo- people mostly ship slash ships when you're talking about fanfic it's heavily dominated by slash ships and there are a couple reasons for that but the main reason i think that this is true for both friendships and slash fic is that the male characters are better drawn they're they're Mm -hmm. they're given more to do they have more personality they're given more screen time and more lines in general and so there's more to work with when it comes to enjoying watching their their friendship grow. I think until more recent Trek as well, most of the time, not all of it, but a lot of it, that we see women friendships, they're talking about their partners. Mm-hmm. Or love interests, male love interests. We definitely do see in a lot of media uh, the relationships between women defined by the relationships to men. I've said it before and I'll say it again. One of my um, big litmus tests for any piece of media for characters who are in a long ongoing relationship is if it's a man and a woman in a relationship, does the woman still have her own life going on? Does she have her own set of friends Mm -hmm. or does her 
friend group automatically just become all of the man in the group uh, relationships, friends or their spouses or partners. Specifically, I'm thinking about like Troy and Crusher because that's yeah. the, the image, the workout image that we use <laughs> asking for comments for this one. But throughout Next Gen, there's really only one scene I can think of, of just the two of them talking that is not about a love interest. Whereas with the guy friendships and the relationship, we get all kinds of conversations. And even uh, when the women are talking with their male friends, we get we get all those poker games, mm-hmm. we get all kinds of work conversation. But no, there's just a very sort of slim idea of what friendship between women constitutes, it seems like. Definitely. I have to go back to my Bechdel-Wallace tests on the number of Troy Crusher conversations that are not about a relationship with a man, but uh, it would be a small number, I can tell you. Yeah, short We list. have a lot of comments shouting out uh, Deanna and Beverly and Kira and Dax. We also had some people talk about Beverly and Alyssa Ogawa, Seven and Bolana, but like Kira and Dax and Troy and Crusher were really like the two that came up as like, we love them, but why didn't they get more to do than to just talk about boyfriends? But Sue, I actually thought you might want to read that comment from Melissa on Facebook. Sure. Melissa wrote, Deanna and Beverly, Beverly and Alyssa. One is a relationship of equals. The other is more a mentorship. But there are so few female friendships in Trek at all that the glimpses we saw were not enough. Also, Guinan and Roe. They were building a friendship. I mean, I love Data and Jordy. I think that they have one of the best male friendships on TV. And while I always want more Data, it's the women who were underserved by the writers. It's almost as if we're dealing with a bunch of writers who find male friendships more important than female relationships. (laughs) Or who just literally have never sat in on a conversation between women friends and think that all they talk about is guys. Yeah. That's what I was going to say earlier, too, is like, part of the problem is... Probably this is like one of those things where you have male writers writing the the vast majority of these characters, and I mean it makes me think of like the the jokes about the the nineties comedians are like women, am I right? They <laughs> oh, yeah. love the shopping, you know. They love the shopping and they love to gossip. What's the deal with the ladies in the aerobics? <laughs> exactly. What's the deal with when your lady friend is dating a candle? <laughs> <laughs> But that's that's like I, I'm sure that's not what they were thinking in their heads. Like, Wah. but no one actively <laughs> thinks, "Oh, I'm being a real piece of crap right here." But they keep going. <laughs> I was thinking, I'm just throwing a bunch of stereotypes at the page. But there we go. I just, I mean, I mean, think about how how many men are like, you know, that they're thinking, is it too much to throw a. A uh, slumber party in your underwear in there. <laughs> What's the deal with when your security officer and your science officer get together and all they want to talk about are shoes? What's the deal? The really sad thing was before it was an aerobic scene, it was going to be a pillow fight. <laughs> you are absolutely shitting me. <laughs> yes, I am. This is my point. These are dudes writing women, and that's what happens when dudes write women. I, I love the fact that we've got that aerobic scene and them being like, guys can be hard. Sometimes relationships aren't great, but you go forward with them anyway. <laughs> and in that very same episode, we get a conversation between Jordy and Data being like, we could be stuck in this this wormhole for all eternity. And Data being like, but you'd be stuck with me, and that's okay. 
<laughs> and the comparison and contrast between those two scenes is is pretty telling, I think. But like, how come they never go kayaking together? They don't go kayaking together. They don't do like whatever the reenactments that Bashir and Miles were doing. They have to do lady things, you see. Lady things. They don't play darts. Oh my gosh, every time I see that screenshot of Bashir and O'Brien in their, like, their nerdy cosplay of, like, historical costumes, and they're just like, we were in the holodeck being nerds together. I just, I find it so cute. Kira and Dax in Camelot, which ends because Kira punches Lancelot, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Which, on one hand, rad as hell Kira, but on the other hand, even we've taken the sort of the activity of doing historical reenactment and kind of feminized it in terms mm-hmm. of, oh, but it's this romantic love story. They're princesses. Yeah. Like, they're totally in, like, what we used to call, like, princess costumes as a kid, yeah. like, with the pointy hat, Pretty dresses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I will say, though, that I think that Melissa raises a bit of a, a good secondary point there, which is that, like, the Dirty Data friendship and a lot of the other male friendships with I would say some notable exceptions towards, like, the later series, towards particularly um, Voyager and Enterprise, are, like, pretty non-toxic. Like, there's very little broiness in, like, the Kirk-Spock-McCoy relationship or in the Geordi-Data relationship, and that's pretty cool. I'm pretty sure if we had those, like, broy toxic friendships, we wouldn't like the characters, because we don't want to believe that the characters we can look up to can fall into those kind of relationships. So I kind of wonder if we've got a missed opportunity there with not showing some things fall apart because, you know, sometimes that's just what happens. That's life. And it's not great. It's not fun, but it is telling about our personal character when things do not go well. So I would say that Trek does have one example of a really good female friendship that's fleshed out and actually on screen. And that would be Tilly and Burnham from Discovery. I love how in comparison to previously when we've gotten, you know, like Crusher and Troy doing aerobics together talking about men, in comparison we've got Tilly and Burnham jogging talking about how like, no, we're going to get you up to the physical requirements. You're going to keep marching, soldier. You're going to be captain. I love that contrast. Tilly teaches Burnham that it's okay to feel and not conceal. Yes. And (laughs) Burnham makes Tilly jog a lot. (laughs) <laughs> so she can become a member of the 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 command whatever school training program. Thing. Yeah, they jog and they eat salsa, you know, girl stuff and tacos, but like healthy tacos. Totally, all tacos are good tacos, but some are healthier for you than others. It's very true. Although I don't think salsa is always the big problem, but whatever. Wasn't it a burrito? I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Whatever. What is it with women and Tex-Mex food? <laughs> a friend is someone you can enjoy Tex-Mex food with. A friend is someone who challenges you, makes you grow, and, you know, you can eat with without shame. Yes. You can lick the plate without feeling judged. And I feel like th- even though it's, it, you know, it is realistic that Tilly would be Burnham's wing woman when it comes to her relationships. So, like, that party scene where yeah. Tilly's, like, mm-hmm. bopping around and she's like, let's get you laid. Like, <laughs> like that is what female friendship can be like as well. Yes. So it's mm-hmm. not that you need to completely cut out this 
oh, the ladies are talking about their boys. Women do talk about their relationships. That is true. That is something that happens. As do guys with each other, I assume. Exactly. And sometimes in Trek, that's pretty gross. But yeah. <laughs> sometimes in life, that's pretty gross. But that is not the only topic of discussion. Yeah. Exactly. It's just a facet of their friendship instead of the entire reason why they're talking. I also want everyone listening to know that when I said licking plates without judgment, my roommate walked in and I had to give him an I got you, buddy gesture. <laughs> I got you. I got you, man. I love you, man. Well, I thought we could maybe go back and forth between some of our faves and the faves of our listeners and some of the missed opportunities so that we're not like dwelling inordinately on the missed opportunities, but still getting them in there. Yeah. Because we asked people for also which ones they thought they really would have liked to see more of. (laughs) And um, one that came up a few times uh, was Tuvok and Seven of Nine. Lynn pointed to their relationship that we see in the two-parter Year of Hell and said they depend on each other and show each other kindness and respect during the most challenging times. They were both intensely private people, but found each other. I like that it took these extraordinary circumstances to develop that deep friendship, and they almost never hinted at the possibility of it in the regular timeline or mentioned it for the rest of the series. Which is unfortunate, because it is very interesting anytime you see the dynamic of two people who are very straight-laced, but in different respects having mutual respect for each other, both as co-workers and as parts of a team. And I feel like, I mean, I know Seven wound up with Janeway and the Doctor as, like, her mentors for humanity. But I feel like it could have been really valuable for her to have that relationship with with Tuvok, where he could say, yeah, these humans are, they can be difficult to live with. Here are some of my coping mechanisms. Yes, you know? <laughs> it could have really commiserated. We could have gotten some great stuff from that. There's probably something further to be said about how relationships between men and women that aren't romantic aren't always given the chance to sort of bloom that romantic ones do. Mm. And it's not it's no secret that the media doesn't really value platonic relationships as much as romantic ones. And unfortunately, I think this is one of those relationships that we could have all benefited from seeing play out further, just as growth for both the characters. Totally. A lot of people also mentioned the importance of seeing men and women who could be good friends. And Dax and Sisko is one that came up there, as well as Janeway and Tuvok. Yes. This is one reason why it annoyed me that they randomly decided to make Dax and Sisko bang. In the mirror universe? What the hell, you guys? You had a respectful, platonic, intensely cool relationship, and then you just decided to f*** it out the window. Yeah, I just, I was very confused by that choice, and I'm still confused by that choice. And it's one of those never-forget moments, but, like, not in a good way. Yeah. Never forget, Cisco and Dax banged for no reason at all. It's like, it's like knowing for sure that you're cousins hooked up it's uncomfortable and you can never (laughs) take it out of your brain Hmm. (laughs) we definitely talked about that a lot in our mirror universe episode ripped in machiavellian yeah not cool not cool ben no and as and so out of character too but janeway and tuvok were cool yay janeway and (laughs) tuvok have a great friendship in that it's a very respectful working relationship and you know from the start when you find out that tuvok was working with the maquis but was working as security for Janeway, that there has to be an incredible level of trust there. And for whatever else they may or may not be, uh, <laughs> my my two, Picard and Crusher, 
are truly, they are the best of friends. They have little croissant brunches together. <laughs> but that's, that's why I love their their relationship so much, no matter like what point it's at on that spectrum. <laughs> because they they do care about each other so much. And they absolutely challenge each other. We have an episode where they are literally two of a mind and manage to make it work. And that right. that's very telling about their friendship. They're constantly discussing issues and the prime directive and what is the best thing to do and what is the ethical thing to do. And But they always come back to one another and they don't hold a grudge. And even in their romantic relationships, they're supporting each other. And I, I love them a lot, clearly. And that's the last I'm going to say about it. It's something that you pointed out to me that I think of a lot now when I'm watching TNG, and that is that Beverly calls Picard out on his shit. She is someone who's like, mm -hmm. okay, but as the doctor, I get to not only overrule you, but as your friend, I get to say, this is dumb, and you need, you're being a dummy right now, you mm -hmm. dumb, dumb, gum, gum. Hey, this empathic mesomorph doesn't actually have choice. That's a problem. Hey, Jean-Luc, get it together, you doof. <laughs> Outside of that relationship, one of my favorites is actually Seven and Naomi. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, I mean, we've talked about this a lot recently with Seven of Nine, is that she's physically an adult, but like her humanity is in its adolescence. And I think pairing her up with a literal child a lot of the time is is really interesting to see how they interact and how they teach each other and yes. like how Naomi is, is teaching seven about humanity and interaction and like social cues. And seven is like literally schooling her, teaching her science lessons. It's, it's really great. And it's really sweet a lot of the time. Yeah. Especially because seven is in a position where she is sort of an emotional adolescent, but she's in a position where they need her as a science officer. She doesn't get to really, do the child thing and she has never gotten to so seeing someone actively and happily doing the child thing is probably very positive for her in terms of learning about her own emotional development and sort of coming into her own as an individual person because let's be real human beings need that play time we need that thinking like a child time to develop the, our adult brains and our adult emotions totally well i mean and speaking of schooling <laughs> One of the missed opportunities that came up was uh, Uhura and Chapel, who we really only yeah. see in, in the original series interact in the episode The Changeling, where Chapel has to teach Uhura how to read. We talked about this a bit in our Chapel episode recently, but, you know, uh, the original series almost never passes the Bechdel test. Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. These were kind of the only significant recurring women other than Rand. And for some reason, they're just not in the same room with each other very often. But Kathleen did shout out the animated series episode, The Lorelei Signal, yeah. where the women have to take over after the men are sort of psychically enslaved by a bunch of, like, praying mantis-type women. <laughs> Shouts out a scene says where Uhura notices what's going on and calls Chapel up to the bridge. And Kathleen says, I forget how it went exactly, but it's effectively, do you see this nonsense <laughs> while rolling their eyes? And then they spend the rest of the episode saving the men. They were so good at animating side eye on the animated series. <laughs> yeah, they were. Pretty sure that was a Stargate episode too, but I like this one better. <laughs> Like, I, I'm not actually sure that there's necessarily enough meat on the character of Chapel to, like, make me think that she'd be necessarily, like, a good friend for Uhura, but 
I, I certainly think that we saw the beginnings of friendship between Uhura and Rand that could have been further developed had that character stayed on. I'm going to bring it down for a second and say there's probably something to be said about the two characters interacting and the interaction being the white woman teaching the black woman how to read. Mm-hmm. As uncomfortable as that is. There's something to be said there, probably, but I'm not qualified to say it. I mean, that scene is uncomfortable on on numerous levels. Yeah, especially the fact that her has been brain zonked and is kind of being infantilized in the situation. Mm -hmm. But it's 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 good that they're getting along and having a good time in that moment. Also, like Chapel just seems to be kind of the slot her into any traditional woman's role. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, do you need someone to feed children? Chapel can do it. Do you need someone to teach someone? school teachers a woman's job chapel can do it like women are interchangeable in woman roles do you need someone to deliver soup chapel can do it (laughs) she's a one woman soup delivery service slash teacher slash caretaker slash mother figure slash sex symbol i maintain that number one had more character development in one episode than chapel did in three years yep yep (sighs) moving on (laughs) but we digress more favorites uh so another a very popular one that I think some people will have something to say on is Garrick and Bashir. That's not a friendship. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I have to say about that. Hey, if mine counts as a friendship, so does yours. <laughs> uh, okay. They are definitely two different contrasting people who are put together in odd circumstances and grow because of it. Because uh, they're totally boyfriends. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to dispute that. We can neither confirm nor deny it, but we're not going to deny it especially. <laughs> I especially like how much time Garrick spends just like, I f***ing him. Like, that's, that's definitely something I do with my friends all the time. You're completely platonic friends. You just kind of are constantly elevator-eyeing. <laughs> I also like how often he just stands like an inch from his face. <laughs> Just, like, staring with laser eyes, practically. Is it TV framing, or is it sexual tension? Who knows? You haven't made it to Arman Bashir yet, have you? Yes, I have, and it's the gayest thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm so glad. (laughs) I love how everything Garrick says to Bashir is said with this, like, little smirk that's like, and also, I will do dirty things. (laughs) Like, literally. And, like, when they first meet, and Garrick's like totally hitting on Bashir, and Bashir's like, blush, blush, oh. <laughs> like, really, really? Genius doctor, you my himbo. Yeah. No, I have seen our man Bashir, and it was excellent, and I enjoyed it immensely. <laughs> oh my gosh. Amazing. Pretty much that whole opening scene is Garrick showing up to roast his boyfriend. <laughs> I mean, isn't that part of a good relationship? Being able to roast each other to a respectful degree. Yes, absolutely. A respectful roasting. Well, cool. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're right that there is a a friendship there. Uh, The friendship friendship that's foundational for the rest of their banging. (laughs) Friendship is a good good foundation for that, so. (laughs) I think what's different about that relationship is that I don't know that they're on equal footing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, like, clearly Garrick has some secrets that he is not telling Bashir. Uh, you could say there is a weird power dynamic there. 
But, like, at the same time, Bashir is into it, so. Well, if I can semi-quote Beverly Crusher, it's going fast, it's probably not the best thing, but does that mean we don't do it? Nah. Oh, man. Also, like, the way that Bashir goes around asking everyone on the station for more information about Garrick. Like, have you ever done that about someone you weren't interested in? No. <laughs> like, no. So what's that, that Garrick, that Garrick guy? So, um. So what's his deal? What's, what's his deal? What the, do you, you know, is he like. Does he only date other Cardassians? Does he have, like, a girlfriend? <laughs> Does he, like, open to maybe talking a little bit? What do you know about him? So is he a spy or... <laughs> I believe the quote that Grace was going for, which is yep. <laughs> horrendous, is, who needs rational when your toes curl up? Ugh. <laughs> 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 I had to quote the aerobics scene. I had to. I watched it. I had to. <laughs> but I think we can move on from that clearly not platonic relationship and <laughs> on to the next. Well, my like first one to if I was going to be making this list, uh, which I did, <laughs> was, um, <laughs> T'Pol and Hoshi. Yeah, we actually we got a lot of mentions for. Tavall and Hoshi and Hoshi and Travis. But Tavall and Hoshi was one that when I was watching through Enterprise and doing the Bechdel Wallace test, I was like, why do they never talk? And it was so frustrating. And we had a comment from Kaya on Facebook saying, I wish I would have seen more of Tavall and Hoshi's friendship or to see more of one develop. They formed a sort of mutual respect in the first season. And then we didn't see our two main women cast members interact much after that. It could have been a neat way to showcase Vulcan culture through T'Pol teaching Hoshi and having more conversations in Vulcan. And um, another one of our commenters on Twitter, Entalet, said that Hoshi is an anthropologist and a linguist with insight. They're both mathematically gifted, driven, and have martial arts backgrounds and similar cultures of strong tradition and art. So, yeah, that was, I was like, missed, missed opportunity. Enterprise, it's almost as if having just two main ladies and then not having them do much and not having them interact with each other is missing the point of having two ladies and only two ladies. Well, TOS and TNG, you can use the excuse that one is on the bridge and one is in sickbay, right? But T'Pol and Hoshi are both on the bridge. They're in the same room together all the freaking time. And they still don't talk to each other. Yeah. <laughs> are they trying to ice each other out? Is this another guy writers what they think women interacting is like thing? If there's two women in a room, there will be at least one grudge. Enterprise definitely has the most bro-y male friendships. Yep. So many. The, like, especially the Archer trip and anytime Reed is around, you know, Reed and Travis working out together and talking, like, in the Orion episode, just like, oh, we just gotta pump iron so that we can stop thinking about how much we want to bone these green ladies. We're menning! We're menning! It's not a good look. Can I just say that y'all have me very excited to get to Enterprise? (laughs) (laughs) It has its moments, but I wouldn't say it's the most strong on the friendships front. Also, I wouldn't say excited is quite the right word. So much as fired up. (laughs) Or something. (sighs) But yes, definitely. But I mean, Enterprise does have one great friendship, which um, a lot of people also mentioned, which is Hoshi and Phlox. And I think we're all fans of that one. Yeah. 
My favorite is is a tie between Data and Jordy and Jake and Nog. Yes. I love Jake and Nog. Probably two of the most fleshed out friendships we have in Star Trek. And I like them because they have a specific arc. Yes. And the the friendship is not just there. It serves a specific story purpose that uh, deepens all of their characters. Lydia on Facebook says, Nog and Jake are my two, are two of my favorite Trek characters of all time. It was wonderful to see them grow up together. I was grateful that the show explored growing pains that happen in many friendships through them. I always felt like the message there was, we can come from very different backgrounds and still be friends. We can better each other by being patient and trying to see each other's points of view. I will adore them forever. And it's... And, yeah. They have no shortage of fights, too. No. Mm-hmm. That's that's incredible. And sometimes really good friendships are established by how you survive your differences and how you get through arguments and the differences that you continue to have. And again, it's weirdly rare how sometimes we don't see growing pains in friendships as much as we should because friendships can have ups and downs and still come out stronger because of them. Not just relation, uh, romantic relationships can go through bumps and come out better. Just saying. I also like how, um, you know, talking about, like, toxic masculinity, like, so there's challenges with the way that the Ferengis are, are portrayed and Ferengi are portrayed. I do like the dynamic that they have where Nog is saying these, like, stereotypical Ferengi things, which are basically stereotypical toxic masculine things. Yeah in their friendship about women and Jake is just like giving him the side and being like, uh, Nog. Guys, if your friend around you says something messed up, you gotta be the Jake in that situation. Yeah, be the Jake. Because clearly they're not gonna listen to the women in the room. And that's kind of going back to what I was saying at the very top of this episode is they make each other better. Mm-hmm. They yeah. make very different life decisions and they take very different life paths, but they support each other while they do that and they help each other grow as people and as individuals. And that's beautiful. It's wonderful. If I can bring one out of left field here for missed opportunity. It's Cisco and the Vulcan baseball captain. No. Literally out of left field. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that was some primo wordplay. <laughs> Pulaski and Data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I feel like we talked about this back when we, we did the Pulaski episode. But clearly they get off on the wrong foot. But throughout the season, she comes to respect and even defend Data. And I really think they could have played that up a lot more. I think they could have had her present for Measure of a Man in that trial. I think they could have shown them talking and see her learning. Imagine if she'd come back as an advocate for Data. That would have been incredible. Exactly. So I... I, I really think they could have done more with that. They definitely showed them a, a repaired relationship between them uh, by the end of the season. But I think there there could have been a lot more there. And uh, to stay on my TNG role, I always loved it when Beverly and Jordy were together. Yeah. Which was very rare. They had some good dynamic, definitely. Yeah, I feel like they, they were they were good together and they worked well together. I mean, they resist the pull of space together. They sure. <laughs> And she tries to talk him into being in her show, and it's great. I love the dynamic of her being a very confident and outgoing person, and Jordy is less so. But together, it's it, it, they they work conversationally. Yeah, I I really like them together. And keeping on this TNG theme, Jordy and Data. Okay, 
obviously they're one of the more main examples of of like really iconic friendships. And I have to say that I love that their friendship is so iconic that it's been like parodied. Mm-hmm. Yes. Troy and Abed in the morning. Exactly. <laughs> so I saw Community. I saw Community before I saw Star Trek. Oh my god. Oh, that's a trip. <laughs> Do you have a unique take? Yeah, I knew Troy and Abed before I knew Data and Jordy. And so like when I was watching Star Trek, I was like, oh my gosh. This is Troy and Abed. <laughs> like completely backwards. There's an episode of TNG where Data and Jordy get, they're in like a shuttle and they don't know if they're going to get back from the wormhole and they just kind of like look at each other. And the first time I saw that scene in my head, I was like, Data and Jordy in a wormhole. Like that's literally (laughs) what I thought. And that, that friendship is so iconic that not only did Community do a huge riff on it, they had LeVar Burton come and be a mentor to, to Troy. Yeah. It, and I just, I find that so amazing. They even have a holodeck. A dreamatorium. <laughs> it was a holodeck, let's be real. This is a good time to tell everybody, if you have not watched Community, you should sit down and watch Community. Both for funsies and for watching how weirdly a show can get off the rails over time. I love to tell people to watch Community, and I'm like, at first it'll see, o- seem almost normal, like almost like a normal sitcom, and then like slowly it just becomes the weirdest thing you've ever seen. It unravels. <laughs> <laughs> it unravels and then collapses under its own strength. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, the, the, There's a specific frame of, of Troy and Abed in the Dreamatorium in their Inspector Spacetime costumes that, like, <laughs> mirrors exactly that famous shot of Jordy and Data, and it's just so good. <laughs> yeah. And I think the reason that that friendship is, is so good is just Data is, and I talked a little bit about how Nog and Jake and Data and Jordy are examples of arced friendships. Like, Data is on this epic series-spanning arc of finding his humanity, and one of the number one ways they explore that is with his friendship with Jordy. Like Jordy is the human that means the most to him and the their friendship becomes a way for him to understand so many feelings. And it's beautiful. Totally. I do want to talk a little bit about Harry and Tom, but I'll, I'll introduce it by saying we had a comment from Misty on Facebook about the friendship between Bolana and Harry and how she was kind of saddened by the fact that once Bolana is in a relationship, it was like that stops existing, which is actually something that happens in real life, although it's very unfortunate. And I would say generally that a good friendship is one that survives even while people are in non-friendly relationships. I'm going to say, though, it's almost as if there are a lot of people out there who don't think platonic male-female relationships can exist that aren't, you know, possibly going to be non-platonic mm-hmm. hmm. but the tom and harry relationship i think is a little broy. like it's i don't think it's at the level of trip and archer um or trip and reed was anyone waiting for them to make friends with a guy named richard so they'd be tom dick and harry uh yes but they definitely you know have a, a bunch of stuff early on where it's like hey let's go hit on some ladies the delaney twins oh <laughs> 
It just, yeah, but to me, like, it doesn't bug me to the same extent because, like, Harry is so kind of innocent and it's... Like Radar and Hawkeye. The time that it gets me the most is when, like, the wrong twin is into Harry and Tom is like, Mm -hmm. who cares? They're twins. Oh, God. That's that's gross, Tom. That's gross. They're not super great on the... uh, like toxic masculinity spectrum of their friendship, especially early on. But they also do have some really nice moments of being there for each other. And uh, they, I mean, they're also not trying to like one up each other in that game so much. Like it doesn't feel like they're, you know, having a measuring contest, but they're where they have to be there and stand up for each other and like not let their friend you know, be at the mercy of evil aliens and stuff. So so they do have some nice moments, but I, I wouldn't put them up there with, like, Jordy and Data. So no one told you Starfleet was gonna be this way. <laughs> so are we gonna talk about Kirk and Spock? And McCoy! <laughs> <laughs> the bro triumvirate. I feel like if you're saying that Garrick and Bashir isn't a friendship, then we can't really talk about... <laughs> I don't know. I I absolutely understand and support Kirk and Spock shipping and Kirk and McCoy shipping and McCoy and Spock shipping. Like, all of them are shipped and some of them are shipped, all of them together. OT3 for the win. (laughs) And I am completely fine with all of those permutations, but I actually have always felt more of a platonic vibe from Kirk and Spock than your general person. Do you love the idea that it's possible that there's someone listening who just now for the first time has ever considered the idea of OT3 and just is like, wait, what what is OT3? Actually, I probably should tell people what OT3 is because I don't think it's super common. (laughs) OTP. Yeah, you know me. Exactly. Means one true pairing. And that's like your ship, right? You're like the big one. For Sue, we would (laughs) call her OTP, Picard and Crusher, right? Yeah. So... OT3 is one true threesome, and it's basically three characters together. We are offending someone very hard out there. Or Thruple. Or Thruple. A menage a Troy. Oh, boy. (laughs) Those relationships are out there. They are functional. Mm -hmm. They are valid. Just for the record. Yep. Sometimes a relationship is more than two people. The more you know. Word. And sometimes you... Your friend definitely does get propositioned by a couple cosplaying Troy and Riker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At a convention. Yep. Cool. I feel like yep. that's in character. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> it is a real valid thing. Sometimes any, no matter how many people are in the relationship, it can cause humorous interactions. <laughs> Just remember, read the, read the room. Make sure everyone being propositioned is comfortable with it. I, I know that... To, to try to get us back on topic. <laughs> Too late. I mean, you can try. I always try and I usually <laughs> fail. <laughs> That's how our friendship is challenging your character art. <laughs> See? <laughs> eh? Eh? Not no. <laughs> eh? So I know that Kirk Spock is like the big one that everybody talks about. But the one I really love is Spock and McCoy. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I feel like I'm just saying things that we've said a million times before, but the the sassiness from both ends, like they the way that they quip with each other, the the barbs thrown, the shit call outery, yeah, the the fact that they call each other on stuff, and that because they are equals, 
they it's it's lovingly like it's not nobody's punching down right yeah i think it's really really important that spock has that power and that also that vulcans have that power because you know i think generally speaking like some of the things the ways that mccoy insults spock are like very like oh whoa below the belt vulcans are this and in an ideal friendship i would stay away from that kind of stuff this is because of like the mythos we have surrounding vulcans and spock in the original series i don't think like it lands that harmfully but problematic in outside of that context yeah and to be quite honest about the whole thing mccoy is definitely the most uh concerning <laughs> along those lines um he he has been space racist plenty of times check your old white man privilege mccoy i'm a doctor not a special snowflake <laughs> and that somebody's somebody's cruising for a nerve pinch right there <laughs> but really the xenophobia that we sometimes get from mccoy is uh, unfortunate shall we say. But I I agree. I think they all have like really interesting uh, friendship and as a group of friends. I mean, and, you know, even though I also think that Kirk and Spock have hella chemistry, you know, just even the I have been and always will be your friend, like you can't take away the depth of the friendship as well as as their, you know, love ship for each other. The two moments that I would point out for this collection of dudes. Number one is Star Trek V. Yeah, I was going to be like, row, row, row. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which I know people don't like Star Trek V, but if you cut out everything that happens after the camping and just have that movie be them camping for 90 minutes, I would have been 100% for it. That like campfire scene is everything. And then the second thing is for Kirk and Spock specifically, the moment that always comes to me, this simple feeling moment, Spock realizing that everything that's good in this world and that he needs to fight for is right here with Kirk. And it is so good. It's everything Star Trek to me. Also, you know, say what you will, and we have about the JJ-verse. Uh, JJ versus Scott, uh, Spock and McCoy also have a pretty fun friendship. Honestly, the thing that the JJ verse gets right is the three of them. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no it, doubt. It gets Bones the most right, in my yes. opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Carl Urban really loves McCoy, and we love that he loves McCoy. Like little shout out for like Sulu and Chekhov who gets yeah. Right. yeah 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 in JJ verse and like in some of you know in the movies and stuff. I mean. They're not, like, always paired off together as friends, but they are kind of, like, the junior officers, and in the original series, they do get kind of these, like, side conversations that kind of put them as almost, almost like the lower decks of the the bridge crew. I just had a flash of that Futurama episode where they're like, we have to share a script. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of our vibe. So in recently, I guess since we did our last episode, they have announced that the Pike uh, series is greenlit. So we're, we're going to have a, a series called Strange New Worlds that's been, we're expecting, they've said that it's probably going to be a bit more episodic, um, or at least we people are interpreting the comments from Akiva Goldsman to mean that. And it's going to feature the, uh, the, the crew of uh, Pike with Anson Mount and spock and number one and we did get some cool uh friendship between spock and number one in the short tracks 
Um, and there's been a, like a big campaign to like bring back Boyce and have a strong friendship between Pike and Boyce. I don't know how much of that is just because people think he looks like Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> because I always found, I mean, and so maybe this is just my unpopular opinion, but I always found that Boyce was like not a very strong character in the cage. And also I'm like, please, m- any excuse to not have more white people in this mm-hmm. show. Because you already have three white leads. But I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one on that one. You are not. I want Jeffrey Combs in whatever role. <laughs> but I would love for them to uh, announce if they're going to announce more main characters. Like, they really need some people of color in their stat. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, any other final awesome friendships or missed opportunities you want to throw in there? I wish, I know I've said this before, I wish Kira and Odo stayed friends. Mm-hmm. I just personally we- liked them so much more as friends than as lovers, I guess. Lovers. <laughs> lovers. I also feel remiss that we didn't talk about Odo and Quark. Maybe we could have a frenemy-centric episode. Yes. Have, like, Q and Picard yes. and stuff yes, in yes, the yes. frenemies. I think we got a whole episode yeah. there. Also, like, in terms of bad friendships, like, don't be friends with your ex-captain mass murderers. Yeah, not not a great idea. Oh, no, you know what? I got another one. Balana and Seven. Yeah. yeah. And that is one that definitely has, like, some frenemy vibes to it. And, I mean, they Balana grew to, like, deal with Seven being around, but I don't think they ever really became friends. And I think that is, is another missed opportunity there. She gave her little baby shower booties. Yeah. That's about it, though. But, I mean, the in when they're at work... There seems to be an undercurrent of competition between them. And women can have relationships at work that are not competitive. Yes. Yeah, we had a um, a comment from Feminist Engineer on Twitter about that as a missed opportunity and said that she hated how mean Bolana was to Seven mm-hmm. at times. I would have thought there'd be compassion there considering Bolana also struggled to fit into the Voyager family. It's so frustrating to watch and you can't help but wonder who decided this. And the what I was wondering about was whether... They were trying to play on like xenophobia a little bit. Like we we see like Worf be really quite xenophobic in TNG, and I wondered if it was supposed to be like sort of saying like Bolana is more distrusting and aggressive because of Seven's like Borg history. Like she certainly, I feel like there's times where there's an undercurrent of that that she doesn't trust her because she used to be a Borg. But either way, I agree. Like it's a missed opportunity, and it means. We, we've we also kind of talked about how, like, they essentially kind of created two women, like, engineer science officers and Janeway, and it meant that there was there ended up being a lot, a lot fewer scenes between Janeway and Bolana because there were all these scenes between Janeway and Seven, and they couldn't figure out, like, a way to have so many women sciencing in one scene. God forbid. <laughs> yeah. Overload! Overload! <sighs> cool. Well, yeah, if... We have not got to all of them. We had many, 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 many comments for this episode. So uh, thank you again for your comments. If you your one that you talked about was not mentioned or you thought of another one based on our conversation, please get in touch with us. Please get in touch with us. We have an email address, crew at womenatwarp.com, or you can visit our website, womenatwarp.com. You can comment on our social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at womenatwarp. And uh, you can also leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, for 
to conclude, uh, Sue, where can people find you elsewhere on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Spaltor. That's S-P-A-L-T-O-R. And Andy. If you need to me to explain more fanfic terms to you, <laughs> I am at at First Time Trek on Twitter. And Grace. You can find me on Twitter at BoneCrusherJank. That's the words Bone Crusher and the name Jank, J-E-N-K. And trying to retweet and amplify as many resources and voices as I can find at the moment. Absolutely. Mm. And I'm Jarrah, and you can find me on Twitter at J-A-R-R-A-H Penguin. And for more from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, visit podcast.roddenberry.com. Thanks so much for listening.